Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Father Shane, how you doing? Excellent, Father Travis, and you? I'm doing well. Are it you? is a hot, hot day out there it here is in indeed. Sioux City. If you're wondering, listen to the podcast, where, you know, Sioux City might be. It's actually in northwest Iowa. It is. It's on the Missouri River. If you're, not a lot of reasons to come. Um, you know, one, maybe we said this in a previous podcast, can't remember. Uh, if you've ever remembered in your history lessons, uh, Lewis and Clark, they explored your half of half of our wonderful country, mm-hmm. uh, the Louisiana Purchase. They only had one member of the crew die, and he died in Sioux City. He did. So that's pretty much all we're famous for here in Sioux City is a guy died here. But we still have his monument, Sergeant we Floyd. We do. It we're looks very... like a little baby Washington monument. It does. It does. But people are very proud of that. People do stop that's by, right. and we keep praying for the repose of his soul. That's right. As a native Sioux Cityan. Sioux City? Yes. Did I say it? Wow. Exactly. That's great. Well done. Um, what what might what what would be like the second best thing that you want to just, you know, shout out for your for your hometown? Well, hometown this hero might here. this might be a little biased, but um, I think a lot of people don't realize uh, that we have this huge uh, Queen of Peace shrine here. That is true. That it, you know, I'm kind of so used to it that when I tell other people they're like, "You have two 30-foot statues of Jesus and Mary." That's yeah. kind of impressive. Yeah, I mean, they are they have to be some of the largest statues in the United States. Yeah. And they're here in Sioux City, Iowa. So for everybody listening, there's this spot in Sioux City. It's called Trinity Heights. There used to be a college, right? There was a prep seminary and a high school there. Okay. Uh, run by several different religious orders oh, over yeah. a period of time. Uh, in fact, my grandfather uh, attended that high school oh, before wow. it was closed. Okay. And that boys' academy merged uh-huh. with the girls' academy of and cathedral became, and became Bishop Heenland High oh, School. Oh, gotcha! In forty nine, it is currently now sort of like a quasi like retreat center without anywhere to stay, and I think probably the largest collection of outdoor benches in the world. <laughs> I just like there's so many benches that people have like like uh, like given money, donated money to have like their name on a bench. I don't think they could possibly be used at the same time. There's a lot of benches, <laughs> but, it, but it's a great sign of people's devotion and their it faith. Is. It is. Uh, we have a life-size carving of the... Uh, the um, Last Supper. The Last Supper. And get this, get this. So the, the carver. So if you've ever been through Sioux City, when you come, because you, you're going to want to come after hearing this Absolutely. podcast. Absolutely. Pack uh, your bags. The 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 carver, the artist of this statue, is my parishioner in Lamar's. He is from Lamar's, Iowa. And I Iowa. met him, and he was so low-key about it. His wife was like, oh, you've been to the shrine, right? Well, my husband, he's a carver. And he just like kept looking past me, just like, yep, yeah, that's, I did that once. Yep. Which took him like years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are huge life-size carvings from scratch, from wood, of right. all the apostles, plus the tableware, the table itself. It's an enormous feat of artistic labor. That's right. You know? So if you're coming up north, you got to stop at Trinity Heights in Sioux City. We'd love to have you. Anyways, but we do feel a little outcast here in northwest Iowa because we are kind of in the middle of nowhere, hence the name, Outcast Catholic. Um, and we're reaching out to all those who might also feel that they're a little disenfranchised from the broader church or yeah. feel like the church is out of touch. Absolutely. Maybe you heard that in the intro, but that's Maybe. what we're here for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've been thinking a lot about... Um, People feeling outcast, gosh, especially during COVID right now. Yeah, um, very much so. Watching people come back to masses has been great, but then people still at home and just people really feeling totally out of touch with their faith right now. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, so I've noticed this with a lot of 
uh, Protestant or non-Catholic Christian churches, their worship can be very easily transmitted to really nice, well-done videos. Right. Ours are very much in-person experiences. Mm -hmm. And so watching mass on a screen is just not the same Mm -hmm. as going to mass, receiving receiving the Eucharist, receiving all the sacramentals that we have, holy water and confession as a sacrament, all these different things. Um, but this is great because something that every priest, every religious sister, and many lay people use that I think would be a perfect thing to just talk about in this time of feeling really disconnected from the physical church is the liturgy of the hours. Mm. And so few Catholics know about this and every priest knows about, about it, but I think probably takes it for granted a little bit because we pray it all the time. Right. Um, But there are some people out there who know about it, but I thought we could just talk about that a little bit and maybe offer a tool, the Liturgy of the Hours, um, for all of you listeners out there. If you're Catholic, if you're not Catholic, if you've never heard about it, it is an awesome uh, treasure that the church has um, that maybe you could could look into sometime. Very much so. Good idea. So when when did you first get exposed to the Liturgy of the Hours, Father Shane? Not till I went to seminary. Uh, I had seen some lay people carrying around this book that they would read before Mass. Did you think it was a Bible? Yeah, I always thought it was a Bible, and I came to realize later that these people had been faithfully, as laity, praying the Liturgy of the Hours. And maybe they didn't pray all of the hours. You know, maybe they just did morning prayer before Mass. Maybe they'd go do evening prayer later on on their own or night prayer. Um, But they were faithful to it. And it it helped them set a rhythm Mm -hmm. and to punctuate the day with calling to mind the presence of God. So what was your first uh, thought when you, in seminary, had to do Liturgy of the Hours? And I'll I'll tell everybody who's listening, like, what the heck we're talking about in a second. But, like, when you opened up that book for the first time and had to do it, what what were you thinking? Oh, I was absolutely confused. So I joined seminary midway through uh, the school year. Okay. So I came in during the Christmas season. Mm. And the very first thing I... When everyone else had already had a semester of figuring it out. Exactly. Okay. And so I never really got the intro class in seminary. <laughs> I just had to sit next to a guy and figure out the ribbons oh, wow. and what page am I on. But during the Christmas season... When, you know, like morning prayer comes from the octave celebration. Oh, yeah. And then evening prayer is coming from like uh, the first martyr or the holy innocent martyrs. The weirdest. Yeah. John, Stephen. I mean, there's some tough feast in there that you're flipping around to. (laughs) Yeah. And I was I was absolutely dumbfounded. So if you're listening to this and you're like really cued into the Catholic faith and that's why you logged into uh, Outcast Catholic today, you might have heard of Liturgy of the Hours before. But for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about right now. Here's the deal. So every priest, when he's ordained a deacon, so you might have just learned that when I just said it, every priest that you've ever met was a deacon for at least a year uh, before he was ordained a priest. And at your ordination to the diaconate, you actually promise to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, according to what the church here in the Roman Rite, what they give us to pray. So five times a day, um, you promise that for the rest of your life. You promise that to your bishop right after you uh, lay down on the floor. No, not for you lay, <laughs> you lay down afterwards. Right. Um, but it's a big deal that you promise that for the rest of your life. The same time you promise celibacy. So it's, it's just as serious as that. Um, but Liturgy of the Hours, right now anyways, um, it's, a, it's a prayer book, right? And it's a collection of the Psalms and other scriptures and different prayers that have been composed from hundreds and thousands of years in the church mm-hmm. that every priest, every nun, every deacon permanent deacon, transitional deacon, every seminarian, every woman in religious formation, and a lot of lay people pray every day. So Mm -hmm. it's a reciting of scripture, reciting of the Psalms, reciting of uh, different um, 
scriptures from the New Testament as well, um, every day to primarily consecrate the whole day, right? So liturgy, the word, if you've ever heard that, sometimes it's used to describe the mass. And in the Eastern rites, divine liturgy describes what you do in church. So liturgy is a Greek word that means the work of the people. So back in the day in like Greek, like court and like Roman court, liturgy just meant like the court proceedings, what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now in the church, liturgy means the work of God and the work of the people. So the stuff we do in church, that's called liturgy. But this is cool because it's actually sanctifying the whole day. So it's the work of God and the work of the people of the hours of mm-hmm. the whole day. So you know we have mass every day in the Roman Catholic Church, which is beautiful and kind of the high point of the day, whatever time of day you have it. But the liturgy of the hours five moments throughout the day to pause and to recite the Psalms either with others by yourself out loud or just quietly to yourself uh, are moments to recenter yourself in a relationship with God. Mm. Um, And while it's a great opportunity for priests to stay close to the Lord who they've been consecrated to in their ordination, it can also be an incredible gift to the whole church, to Mm -hmm. the laity. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Absolutely. And, and you said that well, that this is the work of God, mm. and it's also our work, right? So first and foremost, it's always the Lord who's coming and drawing us closer to him. The Father's always drawing us to him in the power of the Holy Spirit through the Son, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also prompting in us that desire to come closer to him and say, let's just be one. Let's be in communion with one another. And then as we do that, this work of the church pops up. And you get to be united uh, in every time zone around the world with people praying these same, these same beautiful prayers and, and psalms. Totally. And I've, I've talked to some of my, my Protestant friends, and they've been a little off-put by how um, rote it seems, mm-hmm. how ritualistic it is. You're, you're reading from a book the psalms of the Old Testament and different prayers. The Our Father three times a day, different petitions and things like that. So they feel like it's very formal, mm-hmm. and it takes away from something of kind of a more organic relational prayer with God. But I loved, uh, some of the saints said, some of the early church fathers, um, they, so St. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I forget which church father said it, but he said, you can't pray without ceasing unless you stop during the day and intentionally pray. Right. And I remember in high school, I think I probably said this once too, a lot of people will say like, oh, no, 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 I pray. You know, I just kind of pray throughout the whole day. Yeah, I just kind of, sure I'm, always, I'm always praying. Sure you do. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I, I know myself and I'm, I could just be zoning out, staring at the wall sometimes, and I'm not praying in those moments. But right. yeah, that's the goal, is to pray without ceasing. But it's like, you can't just be like, I'm all, you know, I'm always thinking about math. I'm all, like a math teacher saying, it's like, no, you actually have to stop and do some equations once in a while. Right. Otherwise, you're not going to just be doing math all the time. Exactly. Or keep your skills sharp. You right. Know? Exactly. The same, the same could be said with a, I mean, this is great. A re- we're in a relationship with God, Right. And the beautiful image that the church has always used, a nuptial image of Christ and the church as bridegroom and bride, uh, a husband and a wife, you can't just say, like, we're always in love if you never tell your spouse that you love them or mm-hmm. show acts of love. Right. We're just, we love each other. They just know. Yeah. You got to take these moments, right? Right. So Liturgy of the Hours is this opportunity throughout the day to stop and to recite the ancient prayers of the, of the church. Right. And, and you had mentioned that some people find that to be a little too ritualistic, right. a little too static. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I think it's always been in the beauty of our tradition that, yes, some of these things might seem repetitive. I mean, people have said the same thing about the Mass. Right. People have said the same thing about the Rosary. 
It's just the same thing over and over and over again. Can't you guys mix it up? Mm-hmm. Come on, let's jazz it up. Right. Give me a little sizzle here, right. you know? Um, and yet the beauty of that is when you know what's coming, you actually have the freedom to enter into prayer more deeply. Yes. Because yeah. you're not constantly sitting and thinking, what's coming next? What's right. coming next? How are we going right. to jazz this up? How are we going to make this more exciting? And where's my next thrill? Right. Uh, you can actually just relax into the freedom of prayer and let the mind actually elevate itself to those sacred things. Whether you're fixating directly on the exact text right. or almost as your mind gets suspended to start mm-hmm. thinking about other heavenly or sacred realities right. through that text, uh, that freedom and, and that space really can't be created unless there is a pattern of ritual that you can yeah. just step into freely right. and comfortably. Yeah, it's funny. People always get so jazzed and excited when they hear about Eastern, uh, non, non-Christian non Eastern spiritualities with mm-hmm. mantras and meditations and stuff like that. And it, it I understand it's, it, it's something deeper maybe than they've experienced in Christianity. Mm-hmm. But to realize that the Christian tradition has always had this depth of prayer. Right. right? So a lot of these elements that people want in um, sort of, Yoga and medita- Eastern meditations that have mantras that you're going to, different things that are helping you center. Right. Monks have been doing that for 2,000 years. Right. I mean, they've always been doing that since the beginning of Christianity. Right. right. Of using the scriptures, of using the word of God to become their own word and to breathe in and breathe out all day long the word of God mm-hmm. to let Jesus really become incarnate in them. And then as you're doing those daily, routine, repetitive things, you can dive deeper and deeper into those. Right. Yeah. And this is that new movement that's popping up, kind of the new f- catchphrase of mindfulness. Right? Yes, yes. We need more mindfulness. All that means is that people are running around ragged and they have no control over their interior life. Right. Uh, they're just ra- running from one thing to the next. And what they're looking for is a little control or even just a little peacefulness to center their interior life. Mm-hmm. And you can do that. You can settle yourself down and just take some personal quiet time, maybe go on a personal retreat. Or given the great witness of 2,000 years of Christian believers and so many uh, Jewish believers before us, you could actually also center yourself into the presence of God, which is far more enriching and interesting and satisfying than just settling yourself into your own mind. Exactly, right. Well, I I got to, I had the opportunity to study at a Benedictine monastery for four years in Mm -hmm. college seminary. Mm -hmm. No one has more custody of the interior life than monks and, and nuns, but I was able to live with these monks and the the measured life they live is so refreshing. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you'd assume, these, these Benedictine monks especially, they take a vow of stability that they're never going to leave their monastery. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, that is so oppressive. But then you, you encounter these men and you're like, no, they're actually so free right. because their minds and their hearts aren't so battered by every type of thought and every type of activity or things that they're, they're planning to do. Yeah, talk about outcasts. Who would yes. want to join a monastery these days? Exactly. You right. know, how freakish is that? And yet when you meet them and you see their joy and their freedom, that they, they don't have to be pinned down by the next thrill and fad of this world. Right. Uh, they're not outcasts at all. Exactly. They, know, they know exactly what's going on. Absolutely. And a big part of their life is the Liturgy of the Hours. So what the, what the heck are the Liturgy of the Hours? When the Christian community came together, there's this beautiful line in the, the book of Acts of the Apostles that talks about the life of the early church. And it says that they came together and they had the teachings of the apostles, the prayers, 
and the breaking of the bread. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful because that's still what we do as the church, that's right? True. We hand on the teachings of the scriptures and through the bishops and the priests, the magisterium. Uh, we have daily Eucharist, the mass, but these prayers are really interesting because we know that the early apostles, the Jews, took the Jewish prayer practices and immediately realized how they were fulfilled in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? So, for example, Jews used to pray in the morning and the evening. There used to be a sacrifice offered in the temple in the morning and the evening, mm-hmm. kind of like a Thanksgiving for the morning, Thanksgiving for the day, consecrating the whole day to God. The early Christians immediately recognized that the morning represents the resurrection mm-hmm. and that the evening, while it's sort of fearful to go to sleep and hope you wake up in the morning and the sun goes down and everything else, and without electricity, it was a little... You didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Animals crawling out around outside and stuff. There was hope that Christ rose from the dead. Right. So that immediately. So the early Christians started praying the Psalms that the, their Jewish ancestors had in light of Christ. Right. And they allowed those, uh, those Psalms to be their constant prayer throughout the day. But then it, it became cool and like beautiful when Christianity became uh, legalized. What was the year? I always forget. Do you know when Constantine, Edict of Milan? Edict of Milan, 318. 318, he's got yeah. Father Shane right there. He's ready to go. <laughs> uh, that's when, um, so, like, the beautiful elements of liturgy, like beautiful vestments and beautiful chanting and things, really exploded. And the Liturgy of the Hours kind of took two uh, uh, images or two forms. One was the cathedral office where the people of a city, would Constantinople, for example, right, they'd all come around somebody like, Archbishop at the time, uh, John Chrysostom, and he would lead them in morning prayers and evening prayers every day. Mm-hmm. And the whole clergy of that town would all come together and they would pray. Well, as more and more monks started to develop that monastic life we were talking about, like Benedictines, mm-hmm. they started to pray a different way. So you kind of had two things going on at one time that you had the people praying with the bishop, this liturgy of the hours, and then you had the monks praying. Um, in a, in a monastic way. There wasn't a group me chat kind of telling you about each other that we're all on the same there page There was here. not a group me chat at the oh, time. I know. It's kind of surprising. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's a, there a, <laughs> a series of carrier pigeons oh. um, that I, that I <laughs> And smoke sure. signals. Smoke signals, yeah, just across town. Without um, a printing press, these things happen, you know? Absolutely. Um, but that's, that's how it began. But something that's so important to remember, and I love talking about this, so we can talk about it in the future too on future podcasts, uh, especially like practicalities of how to start using it maybe in parishes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing to remember is we always love as Catholics to point out that the mass goes back to the last supper mm-hmm. and the cross when Jesus instituted his sacrifice that we always uh, participate in every mass. Absolutely. The liturgy of the hours goes back just as far because Jesus prayed these Psalms himself as a, as a observant Jew. Mm-hmm. And then he lived them out and then fulfilled them in his Paschal mystery in his life, death and resurrection. So, um, our experience of liturgy of the hours now is just as connected to the past. Right. So I'll just offer this as kind of like a fun, um, I don't know, assignment. If you are interested in checking out liturgy of the hours, turns out you don't have to buy a book because I'm sure you're listening to this podcast on an iPhone or an iPad or your computer. You could download it right now. There's this free app, a priest from Italy put it together. It's called iBrevery. This is where it gets weird, and this is where you're going to be like, what's a brevery? Brevery just means little book in Latin, mm-hmm. but it actually is spelled weird. It's like breviary. Mm-hmm. So if you look up on, uh, on the app store, iBrevery, the whole Liturgy of the Hours is there. So if you're looking for a way right now to pray every day, just maybe 10 minutes a day, 
consider downloading this iBrievery. Mm-hmm. It's a little complicated to get used to, but so is anything uh, that you learn. Um, so if you look, if you just download it, look it up, you just scroll through the whole thing, and it gives you three psalms to pray, the Our Father, a little prayer for the day, every single day. Um, yeah, so if you just look that up, iBrievery, I think that'd be helpful. Absolutely. Any last thoughts on Liturgy of the Hours? Well, I think we can dig more into that in, in future podcasts. But I think right. it's a great opportunity for people who are feeling a little dis- disenfranchised from the church. Right. They might just feel like, I, I don't have a community to pray with. I'm seeking to be united to others. For whatever reason, I can't get to Mass, or confessions aren't being offered right now in my local community. Right. Um, not only will, will this unite them to praying with others around the world who are praying the same exact psalms that day. The Pope is praying this right now. Exactly. Right? It's the same thing worldwide, every time zone, every culture. It also unites them to centuries and centuries of believers in the church. Absolutely. In which this one voice of praise to God uh, has continued. Right. And if, if you're Catholic out there and you've just gotten back to Mass in the past month or two, and you're still, or you're not back to Mass yet because you can't go with your family or whatever else, Watching live stream masses is kind of lame. I mean, I'm I'm glad we've been able to do it, but it's difficult to participate in a in a screen. Right. The nice thing with Liturgy of the Hours is you're the one doing it. You're not just watching someone else pray it. Um, you're participating in it, but then actually diving deep into that prayer of the whole church at that at that moment. Absolutely. Well so just said. encourage anybody if you yeah. So if you're feeling a little dis- disenfranchised, like Father Shane said, uh, check out I Breviary Liturgy of the Hours. Um, give it a try. Okay. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Uh, Father Shane, thanks for being here. It's always, always great to be with you. I know you're very passionate about how we can keep using the Liturgy of the Hours to evangelize, and this is a great opportunity right now during a time of pandemic. Thanks for sharing all your thoughts. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, everybody, keep tuning in. Outcast Catholic, we'll be here for you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.